This episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash afblues. You're listening to the Action Figure Blues podcast, episode number 318 for the week of Wednesday, the 4th of April, 2018. I'm Ben, and with me tonight are... Scott. And Adam. This episode is brought to you by Audible, Gamefly, and ActionFigureBlues.com. Tonight, our toys of the week are the DC Collectibles Raven and Starfire Bombshell statues, and our discussion topic is Rest in Peace, Toys R Us. Well, hello, hello, gentlemen. Have you recovered from your chocolate-induced comas? <laughs> I didn't get any chocolate. Oh, really? <laughs> but it's Easter. I know. I gave all the chocolate away, and good. Yeah, good. I don't know. I didn't. I might have had the odd one here or there, but I was too busy putting together an Easter feast for my family while everyone else was eating chocolate. Oh. I I started like. Two weeks ahead and um, <laughs> just running low, starting to run a little bit long, get a bit concerned by our Sunday. And then Sunday we got a top up after doing family Easter and I'd also seen enough chocolate, so I hadn't had any more chocolate <laughs> until today. Yeah. I think the whole commercial side of Easter has uh, lost its flair, not only because we've gotten a bit older, but also because hot cross buns are in stores three days after Christmas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I wish that we could just have them year-round. They're so awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, they, all they do is change the shape of chocolate and then suddenly it becomes a, a big deal. But uh, I ended up taking yeah. a whole bunch to work because I just didn't want it here at home. Like there was you know, a bit of a, a bit of an excess by the time everybody gave us stuff and we rationed it out to the, the tadpoles. And so they've got their, uh, their allotment that they can... <coughs> have during the week but then everything else just went to work <laughs> of course i was about the fourth person to uh you know upend um you know containers of you know lint balls and stuff yeah in, yeah in yeah. the kitchen so yeah yes but anyway what, what have you been up to mr scotty what have you seen what have you purchased uh what have i been up to i had a we had a four-day long weekend because here in australia good friday and easter monday are public holidays and Great. Um, yes, it's hilarious because it's like really not a religious country and yet we take it incredibly seriously these days. Yes. Um, yeah, it might be something to do about the four day long weekend. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, but, uh, we, you know how you have those, that list of, okay, when the long weekend or the holiday comes, we're going to get all these things done. And often, at least for me, you get to the end of it and go, oh, crap, we didn't get much of that done. Oh, well, next time. <laughs> um, but I actually got through everything on my list. Um, Excellent. Yeah, which was good. So we had some you know, gardening to do. We had some basic home handy person things to do. Um, to which I'm only the assistant because um, <laughs> in that instance, I always say to my wife, you're the best husband a boy could ever ask for. Um, <laughs> the uh, She's so much more practical than I am. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah. And then now this week, 
Uh, we've got two weeks of school holidays here in Victoria now. This week, Mrs. Scotty and the youngest Scottette and uh, the Scott Steed, the four-legged <laughs> horse, expensive one, um, are up at the uh, Victoria Equestrian State Championships thing. Um, and I'm not... Yeah, because <laughs> so, they're 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 camping, and like yeah, that oh, was the I deal. See. Yes, yeah, that yeah. was the deal. I'm yeah. like, I'll do all these things, but I will not camp for horses. No, no, no. <laughs> um, so, yeah. They're kind uh, of cheating. They they went the they went in with um three other mum two other mum and daughter combinations and rented like a caravan thing. So they're not completely camping, but it's still oh, too that's much not too bad. So it's dirt, glamping. dust, and grime for my taste. Like I. You know, I've done a couple of these days now, and you just come home, and it's like there's like dirt in dust in crevices I didn't even know I had. It is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so happy to let them do that. <laughs> Apparently, they're having an awesome time. And well, tomorrow night, my eldest and I are finally, don't judge me, going to go and see Black Panther. Hooray! Um, yeah, I know. Hmm. We've just been that crazy. Not had a chance to see it. Never got around to seeing Thor Ragnarok in theaters. Um, okay. Have seen it on DVD, on Blu-ray now, but never got just never got there. Um, and because we kind of have this deal that we see it together in between mm-hmm. you know, my stuff and her, she's got a life now, being like you know a seventeen-year-old, <laughs> year twelve student. So, but the stars apparently are aligning. Um, so we'll see. Very nice. From me. Very nice indeed. What about you, Mr. Adam? Any uh, Captain Handyman chores over the weekend? Uh, I'm trying to think. There was apple harvesting. So that was the last of the apples what? being harvested for the year. You have the yeah. apples? Hmm. Yeah. We have Fuji apples and Granny Smith apples. Hmm. Nice. I, I didn't yep. get a tour of your orchard when I visited your abode. <laughs> yeah, it's not the safest place to go in the dark. Um, it's <laughs> down the side of the house and... And even if you don't, like, hurt your foot, like, because it's raised off the ground, it's, like, a metre above um, sea level, well, not sea level, but normal ground level. Um, yeah, there's a lot of um, cat leavings that occur under the trees. So, <laughs> so there was apple harvesting. There was uh, rat trap baiting inspection for rats, <laughs> since uh, Adelaide is apparently becoming rat central, central again. Uh, oh, this time of year. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um so that was two out of my three chores. I didn't do the last one, which was trimming the trees so that they're not growing through enclosure. Uh, and, um, yeah, not much else. Did a, uh, a pork roast and made apple strudel with some of the apples. Oh, Yum. outstanding. Mm. Outstanding. Yeah. Yeah, Very good. Mr. Ben? Uh, yes, I had a productive weekend. Uh, I don't know what they're called in America, but I got a skip delivered. Um Oh, I don't know what they're called. Are they are they skips? It's no. uh, effectively a, a giant metal bin that uh, you just load up with rubbish I think and, they would, and such might things. Might call it an industrial trash can or trash. Mm. Definitely not bin. The the Brits uh, would call it binimic bin face. It's right. <laughs> That's right. I, I've now yes, lived in Australia yes. for longer than I lived in in the US, and so I yeah. I, not a reliable. You're no, you're no longer <laughs> hip with the uh, the US colloquialisms. Uh, no, and also now that they're saying that uh, they want to, because I'm not a US citizen anymore. I'm, I only have an Australian. 
passport because back in the day when I became an Australian citizen, that meant that you were you automatically gave up your U.S. citizenship. Um, oh, you can run for Parliament. Saying, now that they're saying that um, uh, to grant a visa, they want to see five years of people's social media posts. I may never be let back in. Sweet ass. Right. I know, and I'm like, mm, do I really care? Oh, what about my poor dad? Oh, well. <laughs> but that's only if you want to live there. If you just want to go, you just have to do that, pay 12 bucks to whatever for no, the blah, so. blah, blah. They're talking about, like, just to grant a, a visa to visit. But the Esther thing I, is meant to not require a visa, right? Yeah, I don't. Like we're not kind exit. of dealing with logic and reason here, right? Like, um, I mean, they're now... Yeah. Now, now that they basically have you know state-run news, um, the anyway, anyway, I won't go there. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, I, I did get a skip, and uh, and I managed to oh, completely yes. <laughs> fill it up. It was uh, it was epic indeed. I, I decided to get into the uh, the garden, and uh, I've put a lot of time into my garden, despite not being uh, a green thumb. I just I, the OCD in me likes to have the nice garden, so I'm <laughs> I prepared it. to put in the it. the effort of doing things I don't like doing, so that I have the result that I do like. But um, so I don't actually have to do a lot of weeding because of uh, assorted ground cover and you know that sort of stuff. But um, my my trees and shrubs and and similar things needed uh, to be pruned and. My mother-in-law is a green thumb, and she recently had a wrist operation, so she couldn't um, she couldn't use any of the tools. And so we made this great team where she just sort of pointed, and, and I chopped, cut, sawed, uh, and everything else. And eventually got to the point where I had no choice but to get the the chainsaw out because some of the branches were quite thick. Oh my gosh! And um, it's actually, you know, it's 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 very liberating, and it's true. Once you once you start, it's actually hard to stop because I'd, I'd chop a branch, and she'd uh, she'd say, "We well, could take that one as well." It's like out of the way, woman. <laughs> <It's gone. laughs> so so things have been considerably uh, thinned out. But honestly, I had uh, all three tadpoles helping me, and um, you know these these three wisps of of girls lugging these giant branches and. You know, just the complete lack of understanding of, of physics, you know, like, okay, you take that branch for daddy and so they grab one end and, you know, they're dragging this heavy branch. It's like, you know, you do realise that if one of you gets on the other end and you both lift, it would be a lot easier. And and then there was those classic comedy scenes where one of them's got the long branch and they turn around to ask me something and then accidentally whack the sister and then the sister, you know, yells at them. So then they turn back around and hit the other sister and Mrs. Sheikh and I were just standing there watching the the comedy unfold. And I said, I, I think I finally realized who I am. And it's uh, it's Captain Mannering from Dad's Army. Like, I've just got this, <laughs> this, this troop of of do-gooders who, who want to help. But it's just, uh, it just becomes a complete laughing stock. So uh, I don't know that I've, I've got any uh, any gardeners in my immediate future. So, But uh, on, on toy related news oddly enough for, for those people who are still listening um yes mm. this is a toy related podcast but um did you guys see the solicitation images for the mezco 112 collective popeye yes yes holy crap i i was blown away i didn't realize how much i liked popeye until i saw that okay it didn't make me like popeye but i mean i think it's <laughs> yeah it's a i mean it is an amazing looking toy um I was quite excited while Chucky Mezco to see that the Catwoman, that um, the comic accurate Catwoman, which is like our yes, first yes. comic accurate DC 
female in the line because we've only had movie ladies to this point. Um, yeah, yeah. But I think going back to Popeye, I just think that this is everything that is awesome about this line is that, yes. you know, it's to because some of this stuff, the, the stuff they've done, you know, it's not like it's all built around, okay, how are we going to reuse this again? Because um, I, I can't really imagine you know, those kind yeah, of crazy yeah. arms and, and that sort of thing. Like, it's it's super clever, super clever. Yeah. To me, it was all about um, the, I guess, it, it's what it represents, the, the fact that Mezco took a chance on saying, you know, one twelfth scale, you know, six-inch scale is uh, seems to be the, the preference for many collectors, the majority of collectors. So what if we we took that scale and we we upped the quality to sort of that that hot toys level quality, uh, you know, improved everything and and people are buying this stuff and yep. then they they not only stick to their guns in terms of producing high end action figures in one twelve scale, but they start to really look outside you know, the box in terms of just the big two. And, you know, I can understand, you know, you move away from Marvel and DC and, and you might do like, you know, a Hellboy or a Madman or someone like that, which, you know, you, you can just tell what that sort of stuff's coming. But then to see something like Popeye, I just think is is just fantastic. It's um, a, a real credit to, to the whole team. I'm, I'm really quite impressed. So I think I, I better do the right thing and support them. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I mean, they're doing John Wick as well. Like you know, it's mm, um, mm. you know, like so it it is really um, such a such a fun line. I guess uh, you know, for me, I do want to see the the universe building side of it continue because um, yeah. you know, I think particularly with DC stuff, um, th- which you know is the main, I guess you know, my main jam. There's always a, a flurry of the characters that you know that you're probably going to get, and yeah. then and then when the when the next Superman, the next Batman, the next version of Wonder Woman start coming, like what's happening with the sideshow premium formats at the moment, that's where you kind of go, oh, uh, okay, what's happening? Because we still don't have this guy, we still don't have that guy. Um, yes. So, um, I you know, the, and that is the the lack of new comic accurate characters coming in the sideshow premium format DC line might just be a lull. Um, and of course they're going to go back to the, you know, the big three well, but um, you yeah, know, there's, there's a, a mountain of characters there that we still don't have. And um, yeah, I'm like, okay, come on. I mean, thanks for <laughs> breaking my budget, but, <laughs> but um, come on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. All right. Look, speaking of toys, we are Sorry, toy I have podcast. to just throw in one more thing. Uh-oh. Um, our, now, first of all, I need to mention two things. Um, we mentioned a while ago that we thought that our um, previous uh, intern, um, Arnold, that used to uh, <laughs> do a lot of research for us, we, we feared that we might have neglected him and he, he uh, died. <laughs> but in fact, um, our friend John... Um, late of of the show um uh tweeted me to say just to let us know that arnold is alive and well he needed (laughs) international business credit so i had him shipped over to do my yard work and run a lemonade stand this is according to john so good thing he got in before the um social media uh thing came through because he arnold was definitely not a fan of captain cheeto um the uh so but so I have taken on a new intern. 
whose name is Ralph. Um, he may be uh, also kind of viewed as a slightly drunken um, gnome doorstop guy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's going to be our new research assistant as well. All that to say that Ralph has actually done the U.S. translation of the skip bin and determined that in America, this is called a dumpster. Dumpster. Okay. Yeah, so we had dump, dumpsters here too. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, but there's there's like a dumpster truck, right? Like a dumpster truck that, um, you know, the it dumps the. Oh my gosh, this is way too mechanical for me. But um, <laughs> yes, but to when you when you, uh, according to Ralph, when you research this on Wikipedia, yeah. dumpster is Australian in origin. No, skip is Australian in origin, but also used in the UK. And the equivalent is dumpster. And when you look at the dumpster Wikipedia entry, it's it's a skip. Well, there you go. There wow, you go, man! Yep. We are just oh. uh, full of information. We are. Thanks, Ralph. Mm. Mm. Very good. All right. Well, we did have a brief chat about toys in amongst all that, and uh, I think we should probably uh, keep the momentum going. So we're going to take a short break. We're going to come back, and Mr. Scotty's going to tell us all about stuff. All the stuff, man. If you like listening to podcasts, there's a good chance that you'd enjoy audiobooks as well. To make it easy for you, our sponsor Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial when you go to audibletrial.com forward slash afblues. A book I'd like to recommend is Wool by author Hugh Howey. It's the first book in a trilogy which unfolds the mysterious story of The Silo, a subterranean city extending 144 stories beneath the surface. It's a captivating book that I had to listen to almost in one sitting because I couldn't turn it off. To get your copy of Wool for free and start your 30-day free trial, or find another book to start your Audible journey, just go to audibletrial.com forward slash afblues. Well, now it's time for one of our feature segments, Toy of the Week. Each episode, we take turns looking at one toy or collectible in detail, and these might be new releases, or we might talk about favourite or bizarre items from our collection. And Mr. Scotty is looking at not one, but two items. Take it away, Mr. Scotty. one, but two. Uh, So one uh, brand new bombshell, and then one new to me, but not new for reasons I'll discuss shortly. Um, So just in case you are new to the bombshell world, this is a series of... Um, uh, Aunt Lucia is a pinup artist who has gone into business with DC to uh, recreate all of the DC female characters as different iconic uh, pinup style um, bombshells, as you were. And we're now getting into the uh, kind of you know C list. Uh, characters having done um, the the A's and B's, and the latest release is uh, Starfire of Teen Titans and Justice League, and about a year before that came out her teammate Raven, um, and I'm going to talk about Raven first. So these were all originally sculpted by Tim Miller, and now has branched out to include a couple of other sculptors as well. Um, they're kind of around the 12 inch scale. I think Starfire is about 11 inches and Raven is about 10. And they uh, all take on some sort of um, iconic, although getting a little bit less iconic as we we move on 
you know, persona of some 40s, 50s, 60s sort of archetype. Uh, this, in terms of packaging, um, when we're talking about Raven, we're talking about the same um, DC Collectibles packaging that we have had uh, ever since DC Collectibles started off. But wait till we get to Starfire because something has changed and I don't know if I like it. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the standard white background box with the uh, character um, on, on the front. And when we have the bombshells, we get the pinup part that it's based on um, on one side, the actual piece on the other, and then a kind of preview of what is coming up. And all of these have a consistent base. It's like a manhole cover. And I was actually thinking about this when I was just because I was unpacking the two together, that this would actually be one cost-saving bit of this um, line because all of the bases that I can think of, as far as I can tell, they're all exactly the same size. And particularly since they went to the magnetized name tags, uh, which we forgive for bombshells unlike anything else, only because we're this is like an artistic representation of the character. And so a little bit of help uh, probably fulfills the contract with the artist as well as helps the casual viewer to make the connection. So we will forgive it. But the fact that these are uh, not character specific, I'm sure saves a bit of money. The other thing that happened when we went from DC Direct to DC Collectibles is that the not all of their statue pieces are numbered anymore. The bombshells are, but the fancy art that we used to get on the bottom of the bases has been replaced by pretty plain text. And it only just struck me that one of the reasons for that might be to make these sort of bases reusable. Same with something like Batman Black and White as well. So it doesn't actually say mm-hmm. the character name on it, etc. And I'm cool with that. That's a that's a fine way to save a bit of money and oh. give more to tooling, etc. Or maybe into the pockets of you know the people that make the money. Who knows? Um, the so anyway to the the statues. Raven is cast as a kind of you know goth spellcastery type um almost reminds me of like you know Sabrina the teenage witch sort of um look uh, she's got the little cat ears um what do you call that headband um on top uh she's got the way more revealing and sexy than the actual raven character whatever uh, allow herself <laughs> to be presented unless she's going through one of her like possessed by my dad phases. Um, <laughs> the uh, and you know this is quite fun. She's got a little spell happening in one hand. She's floating, um, and she's got uh, then a little, I think you know, come hither um, finger in the other. I always like. Well, I shouldn't say this. It's fun when even though you've seen lots of pictures and things of a piece and you basically think you know what you're getting. It's fun when you open it and then discover something that you didn't realize it was there as long as you like it. And the, the nasty surprises with statues sometimes can be, you know, angle stuff where it's been photographed from weird angles and it doesn't actually look like what you thought it was going to look like, um, etc. Or you never saw the back of it and there's something funky. Um, but there's something really fun with this that I hadn't picked up from the pictures, which is that the bottom of her cape is translucent, or it's, it's kind of cast in a slightly translucent mm. oh. um, 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's actually not just a kind of paint effect. It is a translucence effect. I've got an issue with mine, which I'll talk about in a moment. But in tr- in terms of the style, it's good fun. And she's uh, floating. I guess the cape is the base, so it gives that kind of floating look effect. Sculpt-wise, this is fantastic. I think that, I've said before, I think that there is a special challenge that comes from taking something that is a 2D drawing and turning it into a 3D sculpt. And there are some of these pieces that really speak to the original artwork more than others. This is one where they are really super identical. And uh, it's obviously conceptually sometimes the limitations of what the sculptor can actually do but this works really well in this regard uh tim miller obviously is a friend of the show and is an amazing sculptor and so the detail that you would expect the drapery in her cape uh, is really lovely she does have uh fishnets that are the sewn type without any uh, visibly nasty backs to them, which always drives me crazy. They are actually mm. there, but because you can't see the back of it, it doesn't matter. So, uh, you know, I've never worn fishnets. I've never actually seen them in real life, like at all, I think, or definitely not up close. So I don't know what real ones look like, but I always, I'm pretty sure they don't look as nasty and manky as the back of statue fishnets do sometimes. <laughs> I don't know. Can anyone speak from further personal experience? I cannot. Yeah, I I don't think I've seen the back of statue fishnets in any real detail. Um, so it's kind of hard to say, but I imagine that if they've actually used a sewn fishnet, it's just going to be like a seam, but to scale, it's not going to be a scale. So it's going to look like, you know, if it was an actual person, it's going to be like a one or two inch wide seam, which would just look dopey. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fair I, I was used to question it on action figures, but for the price point, I could kind of live with it and understand it. On statues, I feel like there's enough, you're paying enough to get you know, them not gross. So anyway, no issue with that here. Uh, so sculpt-wise, I, I think it is impeccable. The The one thing that I would say, and this isn't sculpt, this is design before I get to paint, is that there are times where I find the nameplate really limiting. I, I would much happier live without these, and I do wish that when they went to the magnetic version that it was one that you could just add on but display without without an obvious gap there because it does limit your ability to decide – what the front is. And often it doesn't matter, but with this piece in particular, where she's looking off to the right-hand side, uh, the the sculpt has been, uh, the paint and the eyes have been done in a way that is designed to be viewed from a certain angle. Uh, and I don't think that the way that they've done the badge, the nameplate, quite matches up with that. And so when you at a glance when you look at it, she looks like she's got gertie googly eyes. And her at first I was like, oh man, I got a bad eye one. And then Mm -hmm. when I um looked at it more carefully, 
I've decided that no, I don't think it is. I think that it's done that way to accommodate the kind of angle. Uh, but then the way that I would choose to display it as the front to make it kind of look the best mm. would have the name tag on a weird side. Does that make sense? Like, uh, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I just, it's just limiting. You know, it's limiting. Uh, I think there's two problems here. One, her face looks a bit too much like Christian Ritter for me, and it's a personal choice. And the second one is <laughs> Christian Ritter. What, what I've learned from Rob Liefeld is you just need some rocks or dust to cover the area where the nameplate would be, and you could purchase like little model ones from Hobby Link or something, and and put those across your display, and no one will know that there's something there that you you don't like or couldn't draw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, there, there's ways around it, right? Like it's, it's just a, a you know, I guess the, the commentary is, if if I had my way, um, I would, uh, you know, do it differently. Um, so I I spent the first kind of few minutes of photographing her, thinking that she was googly eyed. I'm still not a hundred percent sure that she's not, but that her right eye isn't slightly in the wrong place but i actually mm. think that it is to accommodate the angle and if that's if that's true i am okay with it what i'm not okay with and if you look at the facebook photos that i have put up if you look at any of the photos that are with the cape facing at the back is that there is a and this is what initially made me realize that we had this translucence thing happening is that in the back of one of the, at the bottom of one of the folds in the cape that isn't meant to be translucent, there is a bit of, I don't know, either mist paint or rubbed off paint. And so mm. the translucence is showing through. So I looked at that first and thought, oh, there's dust there. And then it wasn't dust. And then I thought, if I wet my finger and this comes off, I'm going to be really disturbed. And it didn't. <laughs> mm. And then I was like, oh, it's a paint issue. So, again, not something that's going to be visible from where I'm displaying it, but in full disclosure of the quality of the piece that I received. Yeah. Uh, I really like the paint choices, though. Her hair is done in more of a glossy. Um, the top piece of the, like, the kind of capelet of the um, uh her cape is done in more of a glossy and the non translucent bit is, but then there's matte on the bodice and the translucent effect on the side. So super fun. Yep. And I will give her a nine out of 10. I would be giving hmm. a 10 out of 10 if not for some real and perhaps perceived paint issues. Yeah. Yeah. But, that's fair. Yeah. But amazing job, Tim. And Ant, love this piece, super fun. Why am I reviewing this a year after it came out? Because <laughs> I pre-ordered I pre it from Zing Pop Culture, who is the cheapest place to get DC collectible statues in Australia, unless you've got pop culture credits, and they don't get all of them. And normally they they get these almost before they come out at like the direct market or a comic shop, etc. But for some reason, when I pre-ordered Raven, and it just never came out. And when I, I actually, you know, went in, they can't really help you. I found up, and I kept having these circular uh, conversations with people saying, "Oh, it actually hasn't been released yet." Um, <clears throat> look, I 
I don't know how else to say this, but it's like been out for nine months, and I can send you links, and I've yes. seen it in person, <laughs> and like <laughs> yeah, the standard I don't know answer, yeah, which, exactly, you know, is is yeah. uh, wrapped up in that. Oh yeah, it's not out yet. That that's yeah, the end exactly. of the conversation because it's not out yet. Yeah. So I I only had a what was it? I hadn't paid the full amount. I only paid like a thirty dollar deposit. But by the time I thought maybe I need to cut my losses here. Mm-hmm. I had it was such a good price that I just like oh, I can just wait. I've missed the brand new review, but anyway, so I know I'm going to get it eventually. I never, I was never worried that they were going to stiff me on it. Um, you know, they kept they finally I did get someone to admit that yeah, this was really delayed for some reason. I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but onto the other piece, not delayed was Starfire. So Starfire is the uh, Teen Titans colleague of Raven appeared at the very same time, originally Marv Wolfman, George Perez creations and Starfire is not a super favorite character of mine. Don't dislike her, but you know, not, not in my, my top 20. And when I originally saw this piece, she, she's dressed up like a, a fire person. Um, uh, and by that, I mean like, uh, you know, someone who fire, puts fire. out fire. Yeah, a fire. Thank you, firefighter. And it's that really iconic sort of classic you know, fireman's helmet, but done in the Starfire purple with a fifth, number fifty-two fire co on it. See what they did there? Ha 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 ha! Brilliant. Yeah, amazing, so clever. Actually, it's kind of cute. <laughs> uh, and w- when I originally saw this, there's a lot happening with this piece. It it's visually not as streamlined or obvious as some of the others. So in, in preview when it was originally shown, etc., I was kind of ho-hum about it in hand. It's actually super fun uh, when you can really just, I guess, make out all over the pieces and understand. So this is just under 12 inches tall. This one is again, an Aunt Lucia design, but it is sculpted by Jack Matthews, who has done some other pieces and is a prolific DC uh, direct slash DC collectibles sculptor. And th- there's, I'll say right up front, there's nothing to complain about about this sculpture paint-wise. It is super fun. So she's, I suppose the only thing that I would say is uh, she she's in this kind of cutesy, oops, I'm spilling water pose and refer to the uh, She-Hulk dropping her briefcase and Batgirl dropping her batarang uh, Adam Hughes, you know, you're such a misogynist um, um, you know, thing. Not a fan, but this uh, this I'm choosing to interpret as I'm sexily putting out a fire, as opposed to I'm sexily spilling water. So it's well, I, not- I did go with the former rather than the latter. So, but it's it's been a hundred episodes, so it's time to mention She Hulk again. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we all um, have, you know, we all have certain bandwagons <laughs> that we can get on. And I know it's like, you know, in in the last kind of 10 years of my mother's life, I could basically have pre-scripted the phone conversations that we would have, not predict what would come up, but like when she got on a certain topic, uh, I could then kind of recite the next 10 minutes along with her. I get it. <laughs> but you know, in this case, it's not just the delirium of an octogenarian. It's actually a strongly held view. 
Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, all right, yes. I'll give you that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I just, uh, you know, I th- my my thing is that I I li- I don't like depictions of female characters in a bimboy you know, oh, I'm so stupid sort of way. It's such an anachronism. And so, but anyway, I'm choosing not to interpret this. I don't actually think that's the interpretation. I think yeah, it's just, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm putting out a fire. So we'll, we'll run with it. Um, she, she's putting out a fire with her, oops, her jacket flopping open. So we can only see her t-shirt with her suspenders underneath, but we'll just, you know, let that slide. It is a bombshell statue <laughs> after all. Um, She's got the the flamey long hair happening, and one of the ways that they have facilitated the one leg up in the air is that the hair is actually fixed to the base and is uh, providing some of the support for that, so that works really nicely. This is one, again, where you could actually choose a couple of angles that you might position this at, one with her more facing uh, face on the other to the side um, and the positioning of the name badge kind of dictates that for you because my OCD can't cope with not having the name badge just facing the front. <laughs> and you could say just screw the name badge and do it however you want, but I'm like, I can't. <laughs> the, the front has been decided for me. The uh, th- This is really lovely. And again, I think it would have been a fun challenge to sculpt because you look at it and there's movement happening. The, the, there's the, you've got to show the movement of the pail of water being tossed. You've got to show the movement of her jacket, uh, flapping in the wind. And there's even a little strap. Like, so the, the belt of the jacket is loose and that's actually, in motion as well, which is really amazing. Unlike some small pieces that we see these days where something like that might be done in a more flexible sort of fabric from my tentative little pokes, this doesn't, this looks pretty breakable actually that strap. So, Mm. you know, don't let your cat play with it. The, (laughs) uh, (laughs) yeah, no, my cat's only ever broken one statue, and it made me very sad. So we don't do that anymore. The <laughs> the, the the pail of water. It's it's all look. This is super fun. I'm not making much sense am I? but it's super fun. She's got the kind of pirate boot thing happening. The 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 sculpting of all of those pieces is great. The paint is exceptional. She's a ten out of ten for me. And again, this was Ooh. one that I I would. Some of them you look at and you go, oh, that's a lock. Um, I've pretty much bought all of these because I really love this line, and so I've got a kind of completion thing happening. So I wouldn't have not bought this, but the I wasn't really excited about it. And it wasn't until I got it out and started photographing it that I was like, oh, I'm really kind of getting the detail of this. I'm appreciating it. I understand it. I like it. So great job, Aunt Lucia and Jack Matthews and DC Collectibles. But... Uh I mentioned before that the packaging uh, of DC Collectibles statues, for some reason, has changed. And it's the, what is it? It's the 20th anniversary of DC Direct. And so what are we doing to celebrate? We're putting a weird extra corner into all of our statue boxes. So rather than just being, you know, a rectangular box with four edges, now we've got this funky extra little corner in it, which is even then 
in the styrofoam as well. And right. I just looked at it and I'm like, this is a pain. This is, uh, I mean, the only thing about it is that you don't have to think too hard about, okay, how, which way do I put this back in because it is telling you. But mm. I just looked at it and thought, oh, I don't know. You know me. <laughs> I, I don't like change. So it doesn't sort of contribute to storage, uh, you know. No, it doesn't. It's not going to stack as well, right? Like if you're mm. a stacker, I'm a, I'm a boxer. You know, boxes of boxes. So it's, <laughs> yes. I don't think it's going to have a huge impact on me personally. But if you were a stacker, you you could be really bothered. So mm. uh-huh. anyway, yeah. Mm. And if you're Ben, you might just stop collecting it all together. Oh, it's not numbers. Uh, yeah, so it could be enough to throw. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, they're not numbered, so it's okay. <laughs> okay, I've raved on about this long enough. Hooray, bombshells. Uh, and, oh, I was actually thinking about this today. I was trying to think about, so where are the gaps in this now? I mean, we've got the Jessica Cruz Green Lantern coming out. And, yeah. you know, uh, I think the, the highest level character that I got to was Cheetah. No, no, not Cheetah. We've had Cheetah. Big Barda? Oh, Big Barda. What was I thinking? Not Cheetah. We've had Cheetah. Oh, Giganta. I think that could be fun. Um, mm. But I'm like, you know. There's the Legion. Yeah. Pardon? Yeah. The, the, le- the All of the Legion, yeah. Oh, that would be amazing. Yeah. this, And I was actually thinking that this would be one where someone like Saturn Girl or Phantom Girl could kind of fit in and, and the line's so popular that people might buy it even if they don't have the high character recognition but those you know those characters i i always thought in the women of the dc universe bust line back in the day where we were pretty deep you know we've got yeah. like phantom lady and and stuff yeah that, that oh, would have yeah. been one where they could have or Dawnstar even you know like um who's never been a favorite of mine but she's you know a highly recognizable character yeah, she's absolutely. got wings people you know like, so <laughs> that's yeah. right <laughs> yeah i'm super surprised that dawnstar has never gotten a look into any of this so she doesn't get a lot of love which is odd because uh, she is visually quite striking yeah I, you know they started off back in the back in the day dc direct started a crisis on infinite earth's line which only got a couple of waves which i think you know was meant to be a more comprehensive thing but of course yeah. they they marketed and sold them horribly and blah blah and that that was one where i would have thought don star would have we might have seen her you know yeah yeah in that that could have been fun but no no <laughs> no <laughs> wasn't the bait no, we, we got a it flash with a melting yeah. face oh. Oh, God, that's right <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you, Mr. Scotty. That was uh, most entertaining indeed. We are going to take a short break and we're going to come back with our discussion topic of the week. If your collecting addiction is a hard itch to scratch, then you might like a bit of insurance that you always have some new goodies on the horizon. Loot Crate is the world's favorite subscription box service, and they're currently offering AFB listeners 10% off any of their flexible subscription plans. Every Loot Crate includes exclusive apparel and collectible items built around a theme, and there are so many theme crates to choose from, whether you're into a more general pop culture or gaming theme, or you have a more specific interest. To save 10% on any new subscription, go to trylootcrate.com forward slash afblues and enter the promo code BREACH10. If you do sign up and you love your loot, be sure to go to the AFB Facebook page and post a pic of your new gear. That's trylootcrate.com forward slash AF Blues with the promo code BREACH10. 
Well, Fran, a discussion topic of the week for this episode, we're going to take a look at something that uh, is rather big news at the moment in uh, toy collecting circles, and that is the announcement that Toys R Us in the United States uh, and Canada, I believe, is uh, no longer. So uh, unless you've been hiding under a rock um, and have missed the news, uh, we all know that, well, probably about 12 months ago, I think, Toys R Us filed for uh, bankruptcy protection or similar such things, and uh, it made a lot of us very nervous, especially those of us don't quite understand the economics of large companies. Um, and uh, here we are 12 months later to waking up to the announcement that Toys R Us is pretty much no more. Um, they have uh, announced that they are shutting up shop. Uh, all of their outlets at the moment in the uh, the northern in the northern uh, America are, are basically having huge sales at the moment to to move stock, and uh, it's it's a really weird situation because. Toys R Us in America has been around for a long time, uh, not as long in Australia. Um, so many people are sort of pretty deeply affected because um, for, for some collectors, uh, it represents pretty much their whole collecting life um, as far back as they can go. So uh, I guess I wanted to have a chat to you guys about what this will actually mean uh, for us as collectors, what it will mean for some of these companies who... Uh, have their products obviously um, sold through Toys R Us, etc. But I guess before we get into that kind of detail, um, you know, what what are your memories of Toys R Us? I, I think Scotty, yours might be a, a bit different to Adam and myself. But uh, yeah, what what are your earliest memories of Toys R Us? <coughs> your good memories? My so where I grew up was about an hour and a half outside of Chicago. Uh, in a place that about 10 years ago was officially named the most boring place to live in the United States of America. <laughs> uh, don't even have to make it up. There's like David Letterman picked on them for ages. It was hilarious. Anyway, the, uh, oh, and actually the uh, graduating class of the high school that I went to in the year that he retired took down with permission one of, oh, sorry, back up, blah, blah, blah. He made, he made a lot of fun of them, and then to give them something interesting, he gave the city this pair of twin gazebos. And <laughs> when – yeah, I know, hilarious. And then when he reti- in the year he retired, the seniors of the high school I went to, with permission, took down one of them and refashioned it into a giant rocking chair and presented it back to him. Um, so, and that's literally the most exciting and noteworthy thing that has ever happened there. <laughs> so, we didn't have anything as fancy as a Toys R Us um, where where I grew up. We had a Kmart and an A and P. Um, mm-hmm. and, oh, and a Sears, JC Penney, but no Toys R Us. So, Toys R Us was about an hour away, and it was a very special trip. And there was a mall nearby that we used to go to until my parents stopped going there because there were too many black people there. It's a long story. <laughs> and I just did Yeah. Yeah. I didn't I didn't realize this at the time. Um it wasn't until much later uh that that I realized. And actually my dad said something to me about this when I was there recently after my mum passed away because that whole precinct now is just gone. They just knocked the whole mall down, that sort of thing. And he was like, Yeah, I think people but people who are in the in the U.S. don't realize how much 
outside of big metro US, how much the US is really racially segregated. Um, mm. And, you know, and Chicago, sorry, I'm way off track here. I will get to Toys R Us eventually, people. Chicago <laughs> itself has actually a terrible history of really deliberate city development that was designed to keep it segregated and oh, to keep wow. the African American people at a disadvantage, you know, um, mm. by cutting using highways and things to cut them off from essential services and blah 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 uh, wow. so anyway so but this place that we used to go um it was a very special trip and it was often a go on your birthday um sort of thing to cool. at least have a look around and my choice memory is discovering the original superpowers figures there as a i think you know 12 year old with yeah. no mm. Yeah, you know, back in the day when you you had no idea that stuff was coming, and just suddenly was like, yes. "Wow, look at this!" You know, and <laughs> being you know at that stage, I hadn't started reading comics, but I was a Super Friends kid, and people bag out Super Friends all the time. But I don't think that we would have a lot of what we have now as geeks and collectors if not for stuff like that, because that's mm. what made me interested in the comics. And I got Green Lantern and my dude Aquaman. And that, as well as being a fantastic memory, was really the beginning of the end. (laughs) (laughs) You know, in terms of what set me on the... I mean, I'd had Star Wars figures before that, but in that, as soon as the Superpowers dudes came around, Star Wars was kind of like, yeah, whatever. (laughs) I've got superheroes to play with now i used to have dreams actually i remember i had this really vivid like dreams about finding new characters at toys r us uh, going to toys r us and finding new characters i remember yeah, once yeah. i had a a dream that i found a, a zatanna and oh. when i woke up and realized that it was just a dream i was so disappointed oh, no. um, <laughs> yeah yeah i that's such a vivid thing but yeah i will I'll always remember that um, that finding Aquaman and, and Green Lantern, and I think there were some other ones, but those are that I was allowed to buy two. You know, they were probably like four dollars each, and yeah, yeah. Um, I was allowed to buy two, and Aquaman was a no-brainer. And then I chose Green Lantern as well, and that's my choice cool. of memory. Cool. Huh. What about you, Mister Adam? I think they Toys R Us kind of opened in Australia in the mid mid to late nineties, I believe. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Hmm. Yep. So at that point, I was voluntarily in the middle of high school. So it would have been, I think it was more like 95, 96-ish from memory. Yeah. Yep. Around then. So at that stage, I'm like somewhere between 14 and 16. Um, And there was only one initially in Adelaide. And that was, that's in, um, for those that know Adelaide in South Australia, there is one main shopping area in the middle of the city, which is Rundle Mall, and they opened up a two-story um, shop there. And I probably didn't visit it until I was in last year of high school because um, getting on the, the days where we had study break, it was go to high school for the morning um, and then the afternoon would have been like a, a, a student free time, you could say, at school and do study stuff. Um, if you need to be at school, otherwise you'd go home. And for me, going home meant going via the city. Um, <laughs> so realistically, the first few times that I would have gone there, I would have not really been looking at much. It would have been looking at model car kits. Um, and I wouldn't have really started buying toys there until 
another couple of years later when um, I started to be able to get Dragon Ball Z figures there, which would have been like 2000, 2001. Um, and realistically, for years, that was it. It was just kind of go in, have a browse and see what was around the place, and that was it. Um, and then eventually um, they started opening a couple of other metropolitan locations and they just became another place you could go and look at toys. Um, and then they kept expanding and started adding all the various baby-related guff that they are now famous for, more or less famous for in Australia. Um, and I have almost no interaction with that part of the store whatsoever. <laughs> I don't know whether this is the case in the U.S. or not. I don't think it is. Uh, I did visit a couple of Toys R Us's when I was there last year, and they were just Toys R Us. But our Toys R Us's here in Australia are now Toys R Us and Babies R Us. Yeah. Just to clarify, they don't sell actual babies. They oh God. sell stuff for babies. And I remember when we had babies that it was a place that we visited often to buy all the things that babies need which at the time I thought was the most expensive thing that you could possibly ever have to buy things for because I didn't own a horse. But anyway. <laughs> so we do actually have two items that were purchased at the Babies R Us part, and those are both baby gates, which for us are actually rabbit gates. Uh, <laughs> That's amazing. And, and other than that, the only other thing I would consider buying from the Babies R Us is one of the big um, pregnancy pillow things like the whole body pillows, and that's just because I think it would be an awesome pillow to have because I like having a new pillow because I am from, like, the 1980s and 90s. What about you, Ben? What's your Toys R Us memory? Well, obviously, uh, I have the uh, the memory much the same as Adam around them, you know, appearing in Australia in around that sort of 94, 95, and uh, I would have just, just been starting university at that time, and... My local shopping mall, which uh, is still actually my local shopping mall because it's right across from where I work, um, was my local shopping mall from about age five. I can remember it actually being built and my parents taking me there, you know, for the, the grand opening. And so it's gone through many changes over the years. And uh, and so eventually I can remember, uh, you know, the big sign, you know, how they put up the, the big wooden uh, cover to the front of the store saying, you know, an exciting new store opening soon. And it had the Toys R Us logo. And I thought, oh, well, that's interesting. And I was kind of in a phase because I was in my early 20s. I had kind of drifted away from action figures, still reading comics on a regular basis. But action figures were a thing of the past because, you know, that was uh, just little kids. And when that opened uh, with much fanfare, I decided to wander in and have a look. And uh, I can actually remember being blown away because – um, you know, I hadn't kept up with toys. And so suddenly I was presented with all this really cool merchandise that, um, you know, hadn't, uh, hadn't sort of crept into, you know, my conscious at that point. And so I, I, it was either around that time or in the next 12 months, I can remember a whole bunch of stuff coming out. I can remember the start of Batman, the animated series, uh, I can remember um, things like, you know, DC's um, Total Justice line being on the pegs. Um, I think there was the the Tarzan line from uh, Ideal slash Trendmasters, um, which I picked up a, a couple of those. But 
But one of the memories that really stands out is not not just the types of figures, but the volume. Uh, I can remember that the Batman, uh, Batman the Animated Series, there were just pegs and pegs and pegs of these figures. There, there must have been 40 pegs uh, of Batman animated series figures, and they were four or five or six figures deep. Um, and even, you know, the Tarzan section was, was gigantic to the point where it was almost like the, the staff had to make sure that at least one of every figure faced out so that you could see the full yeah. range of figures. And, and that's something that I just you just don't see anymore. I think there's a lot of competing product uh, and even at my my current Toys R Us, really, you know, for Marvel Legends, there's probably only maybe five, six pegs uh, at any time assigned to those figures. So, yeah, I can remember just being completely overwhelmed with, with these masses of figures. And, uh, and, and that was kind of the start of me getting back into things because it was always – it was around that time that um, – or shortly after that that McFarlane started hitting – um, stores like that and, and all the spawn figures you know came out with these fantastic sculpts that we'd n- you know, never seen the likes of before and so really it was kind of that renaissance for me it was uh, the start um of you know well I've, I've never really looked back since then um but i don't know you know what 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 do Toys R Us mean to you guys now? I mean, yes, we know we're there. We know that they're there. We know that, you know, they sell a certain product. But, you know, is it something that you do on a regular basis, Adam? When was the last time you set foot in a Toys R Us? Uh, the last time I would have gone into a Toys R Us would have been, I'm just trying to think, it would have been uh, November last year when I was in Singapore. Okay. Huh. Um, yeah. So there's one on, what is it, Orchid Road or whatever it is, Orchard Road, whichever one of you, the Orchard. Orchard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And, yeah, it's like an Australian Toys R Us. They have a couple of different products. They don't have the baby stuff (laughs) um, so much. And it's just, for me, it's just become a lot like walking into the toy section of any other store, like a Target, a Kmart, um, a Big W. It's the same generic yeah. stuff yeah mm. yeah it is a bit like that and i guess you know i'm asking these questions because i think that sort of contributes to you know the, the second half of our conversation um you know around you know toys r us wrapping up and disappearing and, and how will that affect us as collectors and i mean mr scotty uh, you know do you frequent a, a specific toys r us on a regular basis um I mean, my kids grew out of the kind of Toys R Us edge a while ago, so it's not a place that they would want to be taken. And I wouldn't have been in a Toys R Us for years until we suddenly started getting Marvel Legends at retail yeah. here um, yeah. in the last, you know, kind of two years, 18 months maybe. And, you know, up until that time, we saw – if we were lucky, one wave of legends released at retail a year and yep. everything else was online and whatever floodgates opened, I'm sure we had something to do with it. Um, the <laughs> meant that, so the thrill of the hunt, uh, is means that I do drop into my, I'd have a, a pretty local Toys R Us that I would drop into regularly when new stuff is coming out, just to kind of see if it's there, uh, their prices are not usually not the best for singles, so I wouldn't buy them there unless That's I had wrong. to. But the, yeah. they they 
and this is going to be interesting to see what happens with this stuff now. The two-pack stuff that has been exclusive to Toys R Us has yes. been the stuff that's you know been going there. And the what I have read a couple of times is that those might become Entertainment Earth exclusives. That would be a big dr- drag if that was true because they're – International shipping is atrocious. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like they've got one of those. Sorry, I feel like they've got one of those international shipping calculators from back in the day when it was like Australia. Oh, it must be like a million dollars. Like <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Would, would, like some eBay just to be sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Zero yeah. risk. Yeah, yeah. It, it's interesting. My. Toys R Us experience has certainly changed over the years. I can remember, um, you know, once they were established, you know, it was uh, five, six years later, and uh, I walked in one day and there was Marvel Legends Wave 1. Um, and this was, you know, quite the uh, quite the amazing find because, um, you know, as a, a universe builder, that was the start of, uh, you know, pretty much, you know, my biggest display. And, it's uh, it was kind of fun seeing them on the shelf and going, wow, you know, it's a, a, a series of figures that have sort of consistent sizing. Well, you know, at the time, that's what I thought, um, yeah. and that started you know, something that was uh, was actually a lot of fun for me. I, I can remember um, you know frequenting there on a regular basis, and I'd walk in, and there was Marvel Legends Wave Two, and I quickly went looking for the you know the variants, um, you know, as they were back in in the day, and it was really exciting. And then I can remember picking up Marvel Legends Wave 4 and then I remember, you know, going in, nothing, going in, nothing, going in, nothing, and then Marvel Legends Wave 6 and going, well, hang on a second, what happened to Marvel Legends Wave 5? You know, I was quite keen on that wave. You know, it had Sabretooth and Colossus. And and so then I can remember ringing Toys R Us headquarters and saying, look, you know, you guys get in these Marvel Legends figures. And, you know, it it was the very definition of that woman on the phone going so these are, are superheroes so yes they're called marvel legends they're by a company called toy Biz. they come in in waves you didn't get wave five you got four you got six just wondering what happened to wave five so they're based on comic books and you say hey caramba you know it's just um, <laughs> yeah. uh, and that was pretty much every interaction i had with uh with toys r us or or um you know the the big companies as they have representatives here in australia like uh, hasbro australia etc uh, and so I had no choice but, well, you know, want and need, uh, I had no choice but to go to, you know, the the fledgling eBay and have a hunt around. And, and I ended up finding a, a seller in America who was willing to open them up uh, and send them to me loose. And so I got them for a, a really good price. Uh, and then what kind of uh, – that that was kind of the – I guess the the catalyst for what led to a really long and frustrating time uh, of acquiring Marvel Legends in Australia. I can remember that you know they would get a wave in, they would skip the next wave, they'd get a wave in, they'd skip the next wave, and you really just didn't know. It was a crapshoot as to whether the next wave would actually turn up at retail. Um, and and of course by then a lot of the online retailers had really started to to lift their game. We we had a company called Case Fresh um, who oh, existed for quite Case some time. Fresh. That's right. And and of course what happened? Uh, I started to just order full cases. I could pre-order these figures, and it suddenly became a lot easier. Um, the prices were better, and you know I was I was locking in my set of figures and. 
uh, all from the the comfort of my home. And so, so gradually from there, Toys R Us became less about the the thrill of the hunt for me and you know being able to acquire the next set of figures and it was more along the lines of you know wandering in and then seeing a wave on the shelf and going oh okay well they finally got them you know i'm getting mine from case fresh uh, a whole lot cheaper but i can hold them in my hand here and have a bit of a look at them before mine get posted uh to me and uh, yeah other than picking a, a few series up you know, at sales uh, for custom purposes, um, it, it really marked the the beginning of the end for me. To the point now where I I actually know I'm friends on Facebook with a guy who works at that Toys R Us, uh, and I don't have to do anything. He actually messages me through Facebook, um, and he is unpacking late at night, and so he messages me and says, you know, I'm putting these out on the shelf tonight. Um, they'll be for sale in the morning. Do you want one? Uh, and so I've managed to, you know, pick up things like, um, you know, Commander Kree from Star Wars Black, and he let me know that the, you know, the the Ghost Rider set was there. And so the thrill of the hunt is completely gone. Um, purchasing my stuff uh, on a regular basis from them is long gone. Uh, I pre-order everything. I, I think I suffer a bit of the um, fear of missing out, so I, I simply pre-order. Um, all of my Marvel Legends and Star Wars Black now. So, yeah, it's it's kind of, yeah, uh, for me personally, when the announcement came through that, that Toys R Us was closing down and we obviously still don't know exactly how that is going to affect the Australian uh, outlets uh, of Toys R Us yet, but I had that sort of immediate, oh, no, that's terrible, uh, and then that was met with, oh, but I don't really shop there often anymore yeah. with probably contributes to mm, okay i feel bad now waters <laughs> started closing yeah yeah absolutely so you know you kind of want them to be there you feel like as a toy collector you're you're owed uh you know there's this obligation of toys r us to stay open in case you you may want to buy something from them um but then you know they aren't exactly your go-to priority and and i wonder you know there's probably many reasons why they're closing up shop in in America, but I think you know that that inability to compete. Um, you know, Toys R Us have made some very very poor decisions over the years in in the sort of the fledgling online selling um, back in the late nineties, early noughties. Um, you know, Toys R Us were, were given that opportunity to start to set up and sell online. But the the powers that be deemed it as not uh, a priority because all of their sales came from you know little Johnny walking into the shop and and buying um, figures and so I, I do believe their entire online sales department was handled through Amazon. <laughs> so Amazon actually used to fulfil the the Toys R Us online orders and so what was happening in in order to buy something from Toys R Us you used to go to Amazon. And then you'd buy the figure, which was supplied by Toys R Us. And so all they really did was train people to go to, to, Amazon. Go to Amazon. So, yeah, so it's, it's a really interesting situation, a, a sad one indeed. But, hmm. Yeah. yeah. I guess like the last time I remember there being any excitement around Toys R Us, at least that I can recall, there was uh, when Tamagotchis became a thing. Yes. Uh, oh there was a brief wave where where <laughs> Toys R Us were inundated, and the other one was um, when the Phantom Menace figures dropped because they dropped in advance of the movies. Um, and there were like you know 
late night queues out front of Toys R Us waiting for it to open the next day. And I'm just like, yeah, that there's none of that excitement anymore. Yeah. No one cares. Everyone knows exactly what's in the lines beforehand because of the internet. Um, everyone's already that really cares has already pre-ordered things on the internet. Um, and the people that are going to the store are really just super fanatics that are going there because the movie hasn't opened yet and they can't queue up out front of a movie, like out front yeah. of the cinema. Well, I think that the people that really miss out by it going away are kids because it's that magic of when you are in a place like that, you know, everything feels so much bigger when you're a yes. little kid and that kind of, you know, thing of I, I'm in a place where it's just all choice and I can't see from one side to the other, particularly <laughs> as the, the toy sections in the mixed retail just continue to shrink. The, uh-huh. yep. it, it, that, that kind of just yeah, fun magic thing is, is something that's lost, but I think you know there is a there's an opening that's created there because one of the things, and if you you know research it a little bit, one of the things that has brought Toys R Us down is not just lack of sales success; it's being burdened with debt that wasn't actually theirs that yeah. that they you know had to carry and bad business decisions in that sense, and in a bit like what's happening here. In Australia, where the Masters Hardware stores, you know, they did a huge splash of setting those up and getting all that property, and then went out of business. That creates space that somebody needs to to fill, and yeah. it'll be interesting to see in the U.S. what happens with that uh, space and whether or not it just gets carved up by other things. You know, KB Toys in the U.S. You know, there's I can't substantiate any of it uh, as legit. There's certainly a web presence saying we're coming back, but it's it's I, I haven't seen anything substantiated that says yeah that is for sure. Uh, but yeah. you know, there, there's definitely an opportunity there, right, to for somebody to jump in. So it'll be interesting to see what happens now. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, certainly there's obviously the ramifications for us as collectors, but I, I do wonder what this actually means for a lot of the companies. So uh, you've got obviously Mattel and Hasbro and, and a lot of the smaller companies like NECA uh, who put their products in, in Toys R Us stores. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, I, I can only imagine that Mattel's multiverse, you know, sells uh, a fraction of what Hasbro's Marvel Legends do. And so... I wonder if there are companies who at the moment are having these uh, these emergency meetings and wondering what it will actually mean for their lines to lose the orders from Toys R Us. Now, I know that, for instance, Walgreens in the US has more outlets than Target, um, Walgreens and Toys R Us put together, about 8,000 stores, but they don't stock anywhere near the amount uh, in terms of volume. And so, you know, are we potentially looking at, say, some lines losing 40% of their orders because we now don't have those Toys R Us stores stocking them? And, you know, do you think is that enough to actually break a line? Um, you know, do they sort of deem it as not financially viable and, and you know, stop a line perhaps? Uh, yeah, I mean, I I think that the American – retail setting is so diverse that probably one of the reasons why Toys R Us has struggled is that specialty stores in general are 
not so much in favor. And the the a lot of the U.S. kind of setup is less around malls, uh, you know, shopping malls, etc. I mean, that obviously have, as opposed to kind of more spread out sort of you know outdoor shopping. Not that there aren't you know shopping malls. Yeah. Obviously, it's kind of yeah. the American yeah. icon thing. But I just you know I having just been back and spent some time around, I was really surprised by how the kind of layout was more, you know, built around, you know, like, you know, your big Walmart and Target and, and that sort of yeah, thing. And yeah. so, um, and I, I think if you can go to a place like a, a Target or, you know, a Walmart where you can even do your grocery shopping and, and look for that stuff as well, then, and ride around in a motorized scooter like everybody else. The, um, <laughs> you know, then you know why, why wouldn't you? And so, yep. yeah, I, I don't know, I don't know. But I mean, I think it, one of the things that we don't, we haven't kind of experienced here in Australia, is that there's a lot of stuff that is sold exclusively in Toys R Us in the U.S. that we don't get here. Um, yep. Like you're mentioning some of the NECA stuff, even things like Mini Mates and. And that sort of yep. thing has been something that you could you, you can get or could get in Toys R Us in the U.S. that we can't get here, and yeah. so it'll be interesting to see what happens with that and whether they find other distributors or just go solely online. Well, see, that was something I was thinking of. You know, where do the collectors miss out? And you know, you have to you have to think that you've got these uh, large stores like Target, Walgreens, Toys R Us, who obviously have. They, they obviously wield the power in terms, you know, it's like a supermarket saying that, you know, you need to sell us um, this product and, and each unit has to sell for X amount. And, and a lot of producers struggle to meet that, but they know that if they don't get them into stores, they won't obviously have the turnover. And so there's obviously deals that go on where Toys R Us have that power to say to Hasbro, uh, yes, we will stock your Star Wars black um, line and you know we can guarantee to order x amount of units but you have to guarantee us six exclusive items per year and obviously uh-huh. the hasbro folks go okay well that sounds like a pretty good deal um let's sit down and talk about exclusives and you know work that out now uh obviously anything that's currently in uh the tooling process uh can be factored into other waves and, and maybe even other exclusives but uh you know does that mean that we are potentially as collectors going to lose you know, a number of exclusives that we would have otherwise gotten um, in the future because, you know, Toys R Us isn't creating that demand for those items. Yeah, maybe. I guess the other thing, right, is I'd suggest immediately Toys R Us will dump their stock. Anything that was a pre-committed order that's not going to be fulfilled by Toys R Us but that's already been manufactured will probably get dumped at Target, um, Walmart, Walgreens. So... I guess from that point of view, it's really an opportunity for people that had big contracts with Toys R Us to see if they can survive with the other retailers up front. And, and so I think it'll be six to 12 months before it washes through, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it's mm. interesting. I, I also wonder, you know, I think you hit a good point earlier, Scotty, when you mentioned, you know, young kids walking into these toy stores and seeing wall-to-wall toys as far as the eye can see and, and the wonder and excitement and, you know, the discovery of new things. And, uh, you know, I recently took my three tadpoles, you know, they're seven, seven and nine, all girls, and uh, we went to the movies at the mall. Uh, and then after that, they wanted to go to Toys R Us. and 
Uh, each one of them is currently in high finance mode and and madly saving their money mm-hmm. in in a money box, etc. Uh, and they know exactly how much they've got. And I said to them that you know because they hadn't brought their money with them, the deal was that we would go to Toys R Us. They can have a good look, and then they can actually think about what it is that they wanted to buy. Uh, and then we, you know, sort out the purchase on another day. And so we literally walked every aisle uh, of Toys R Us, and I got the oohs and ahs and the I want this, and uh, and and you know, the next generation of collectors. You know, is there a chance that that we're going to lose them because they don't have that uh, that luxury of actually walking in and seeing a lot of uh, the stuff mm. that's on shelves? And I mean, Toys R Us do actually stock lines that aren't stocked by anybody else. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think that, that there's a potential loss there to create that next generation of collectors. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm this is cheery, isn't it? <laughs> I'm just trying to think because I'm thinking of things like figure arts, right, and they have, which is clearly where I spend most of my time, and they would have a significant U.S. sales, but they also have a really significant Japanese and and Asian sales and Toys R Us is not really a, a thing in Japan. Like I don't remember seeing a yeah. single one when I was over there. Um, and yeah. for them, there are some of the department stores might have some of this stuff, but otherwise it is kind of specialty stores or um, stores focused deliberately around things or it is an online store. And, hmm. and it's, I mean, so I it's really going to be a case of I think it's just going to be online or properties that get big or have an online presence and part of that online presence will be, hey, there's these merchandise items you can purchase online. Yeah, yeah. I can remember being in Toys R Us in Hong Kong, which I came across completely by accident. I wasn't even sort of looking for it. I just walked past it and thought that I would have a look. And when I walked in, uh, you know, surprise, surprise, it felt like walking into my local Toys R Us, um, you know, when I was I was presented with all the usual suspects. Um, but then as I got a bit further um, down the aisles, there was this uh, enormous section that was culture-specific and, and it was um, – you know, filled with with pegs and pegs and display windows of um, you know anime and and manga related things. Like there was the, like the amount of Gundam style yep. kits uh, w- was just enormous. They even had a a big glass display case and they had a diorama in there. And and that's where I picked up my that that sort of two foot tall Astro Boy that I reviewed on the show a couple of years ago now. Mm. Um which I you know to this day I, I've never seen anywhere since. I, I've never seen it at a collectibles fair uh, or anything like that. So um you know we're we're still yet to see how the closure of the main Toys R Us affects um the other regions. Uh from what I understand it's uh, it's an incredibly complicated setup. So Toys R Us Australia is obviously affiliated with Toys R Us, but is kind of a separate entity. They they kind of agree to share, you know, the 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 American marketing group, the the IT group, obviously the supply chains, but they still kind of exist as their own entity. So yeah, still waiting to see what happens mm. in that space. But um, mm. yeah, mm. so we we put mm. out uh, on social media. Just that question of asking people about their memories, basically, of um, what uh, they're going to miss about Toys R Us or just what their early memory was. And I might just run through some of those quickly just so we can give a shout-out. 
I want to give a shout out, first of all, to our friend Frankie French, who is actually the person who originally suggested that we talk about this. And uh, thank you, Frankie. And uh, oh, I pasted that into the show notes. So tiny, I can't even read it. So I have to go back to the original. <laughs> I have to go back to the original. <laughs> Bear with me one moment while I uh, adjust my old eyes. I have to say that some of these comments about what people remember from their childhood from Toys R Us, I'm like, you were a kid then? What? Yeah. So, so, Oh, you were a kid buying such and such. I was 30. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah so if you're um, – it's like, you know, Adam saying, so I was in high school then, and I was like, yeah, I've been married for about five years. Okay. Um <laughs> Right. <laughs> oh Ben, you um, was a cloud doctor. That's right. <laughs> I was collecting my grandchildren from high school. Yeah. That's right. Here we go. So I want to read Frankie's first. She says, "Growing up, we didn't have a lot of money, but yeah, I still enjoyed going to Toys R Us with my dad, especially if a new film was out, so I could lust at the new toys and merch." One day we went to Toys R Us, and I and I should say Frankie's in the UK, so this is a UK story. We went to Toys R Us, and I spotted a cheap small box of toy crocodiles. For some strange reason, I fell in love <laughs> with them, but I knew at the time that we were struggling to pay our mortgage for the house, so we didn't think that I would get them, and I wandered off around the store. Next thing, my dad came up to me with the crocodiles and said, don't let your mum know and I'll buy you these. I was so happy. <laughs> and I remember opening them up on the bus on the way home and playing with them in the bath and in my room for years. Sadly, I lost them when I moved house, but I still remember that small box of crocodiles as being one of my favorite toys of mine of all time, despite the high-end collectibles that I have now. Oh, heartwarming. Hmm. Cool. Thank you, Frankie. Uh, and then just to run through some of the others, uh, on Facebook, Roberto Garcia said going to Toys R Us with my mom and waiting, getting WWE, Transformers, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles action figures, as well as playing with all the toys and playing video games. I would even get mm. on the bus and go there by myself to buy action figures and video games for my Super Nintendo system. Right. <laughs> what's what, wow. what? What's vintage is that? Super Nintendo. Uh, early oh. to mid nineties. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like ninety two ish through ninety six, ninety seven. Well, Penn Ronson wife says when my little brother and I were young, our grandparents would give us fifty dollars at Christmas. From like age seven to thirteen, he must be young because my God, if my grandmother had given me fifty dollars <laughs> at Christmas. I would have felt like I could buy a car. Like, yeah. I used to get. You probably could. Um, you probably could, yeah. I used oh, to man. get cards from hers that were addressed to Master Scott Anderson. Isn't that, <laughs> I know. Isn't that sweet? Anyway, um, I could do a whole podcast about my grandmother. She was freaking hilarious. From, <laughs> from like, back to Penn, from like age seven to 13. We would always stop at Toys R Us before leaving D.C. Many, many happy childhood memories. We were allowed to spend on whatever we wanted. This is the grandparent money. I always ran to the action figures. My brother always got a Nintendo game. Uh, Larry Sweet. Page says WWF wrestling figures. Jesse Hyde says picking up the small soldiers toy line. Ah, they're, they're worth money now. Yeah, that was a thing. You still got those, Jesse? Mm. Look, they're, mm, they're terrible cool. and smelly. Please send them to us. Um, That's wrong. <laughs> 
Pat um, at dragons underscore dusk on Twitter says, I don't have a specific concrete memory, but going to Toys R Us and getting to use birthday money on whatever I wanted always felt so exciting. I have just this general good feeling thinking on that. My dad taking me to pick out a toy or two. And uh, last one I'll read, um, our good friend, Joe Orso, who is on Facebook as Joe Orso Art, and his lovely wife, um, also is active on our Facebook page, says, my wife and I would just go there to play. We've been together since high school. Oh, cool. Yeah. So thanks, Excellent. everybody. And sorry if we didn't read out your memory. Um, you can you can write us and tell us how sad you are in, <laughs> in person, and we'll, we probably won't read it out now, but we'll think about it at least. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. Yeah, be hmm. sad with you. I can't, I can't remember, you know, the last time that a, a chain of anything closing made me kind of nostalgic. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, Toys R Us, my, my local Toys R Us, uh, has been alive and well um, since I got back into action figures. So when I shifted from a, a kid collector to an adult collector, they've always been there. Um, and again, you know, obviously we still don't know what it means for the Australian stores, but uh, it'll be kind of weird. And I, I do have to wonder too, because when I, I sort of walk past uh, and I, I sort of look at the store, mine is a, a baby's R Us as well, and it's an incredibly large space. Yeah. And so yep. you have to think that there's an awful lot of well, strip malls, malls and things like that that are going to suddenly have these these giant empty spaces, which, you know, you can't fill with a coffee shop. Um, so, uh, yeah, that, that, that'll be interesting, you know, if there are repercussions to some of these, uh, you know, realtors. I just, I just realized I have another really important Toys R Us related event in my life. I found my cat there. At Your the, cat? Yes. So, the, so Mor- Morris, the, our younger cat who would be, oh, my gosh, had to be nine now. Um, by the way, casting agents, if you're ever looking for a cat that needs to behave like it's completely starved and has never been fed in its entire life, I've got the cat just for you. The, uh, I was I at the, the <laughs> Toys R Us near the Canberra airport. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. In like the year before it opened, r- flying around trying to find a Tanagachi for my daughter's birthday. This is well after they were a thing, right? A big thing. And, yep. <laughs> yeah. And she, I have this bad present shopping habit where I will see something and think, Oh, I don't need to get that now. Cause that'll be everywhere. And then ending up not being able to find it anywhere. So I got everything <laughs> else. And then I'm like, I can't find a bloody <laughs> And um, So I dashed out there. I think I did actually find it. And then on the way out, Uh, driving out, I actually thought that there was like a newspaper blowing in front of me or something. And it was a little gray and white kitchen. And Mm. yeah, I took it to the whatever and nobody claimed him. And that became Morris the cat who came to live with us. Gosh, nine years. I I can remember. I can remember going to your place for dinner. And then after dinner, we sat down and this tiny little kitten just came trotting along and and plopped himself in my lap and went to sleep for the next two hours (laughs) oh yeah he's funny he went through he went through quite a um i I don't like strangers phase uh (laughs) but but now he's back to being super friendly and but he also is literally like you feed him and half an hour later like if i come home 
after people have gone out and, you know, I'll have to text and say, has the cat been fed? Because he's really telling me that he's never been fed in his entire life. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, yes, we just fed him. (laughs) Uh, It's quite, quite pathetic, really. (laughs) There you go. There you go. Wow. That's quite the, quite the Toys R Us acquisition. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. So cute. All right. Well, look, I, you know, I imagine we are going to revisit this topic in uh, the next few months as uh, mm-hmm. some of the, the ramifications are felt, not, not just, um, you know, as a collector, but as we learn uh, a bit more about what's going on, particularly for some of those regional versions uh, of Toys R Us or sort of the international, I guess, which is, you know, everyone else except uh, the US. So, uh, yeah, oh. they're not international. <laughs> no, that's right. That's, yeah, it's funny, that's isn't right. it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. All right. Well, we're going to take a, uh, a quick break, and uh, then we're going to come back and uh, say goodbye. The Incredible Hulk meets Spider-Man. Each figure a foot tall and fully posable. All you need is a piece of string, and here comes Spider-Man. Avalanche! This is a job for the Hulk. The Incredible Hulk with a face that's mean, lots of muscle and skin that's green. Good job, handsome. The Incredible Hulk and Spider-Man from the Superhero Collection, each sold separately by Mego. Well, before we finish off, we have some feedback from our listeners to share with you. And if you'd like to hear your questions, comments, or suggestions on future episodes, you can email us at podcast at actionfigureblues.com, and you may just hear it read out. And Mr. Adam, you've got a piece of feedback. I do. Patrick Dukas uh, writes to us commenting on episode 313, saying, great breakdown, guys. Uh, Sif did appear in the first A4 series. She's an enforcer along with Valkyrie and Gamora. Huh. There you go. Hmm. There's more yeah. there. Ah, okay. So that's <laughs> that's directed at Scotty, and this is uh, finally someone else who will admit their dislike for Toby's Legends, ugly sculpts and joints. Yeah. <laughs> Amen, oh, bro. Um, I will yeah, accept I that, that some were ugly and some were not. It's character yeah. by character. Yeah. The same yeah. as a lot of toy lines. Uh, I, have, I mean, you know, there's there's no doubt that the new Hasbro figures are fantastic, but, you know, there's still some classic figures in there that I don't think needed to be, uh, you know, redone specifically. But, um, yeah, so Sif, that was in reference to our A-Force uh, breakdown Marvel Legends A Force set, and there was uh, some discussion as to whether Sif had actually appeared in the A Force series, and yeah, obviously she did. So there you go. That's the justification <laughs> for including her. <laughs> not that I need think they need much justification as to yeah, that's right. Know, not that we care. We're so grateful. What set? <laughs> that's right. Yeah. yeah, like the San Diego sets that have you know no uh, you know no uh link between them, like the raft set, other than the fact that you know these people have been in jail at some point. very good all right well that's it guys thank you very much for your company for this episode and we're going to say goodbye we're going to come back next week and do it all again i had fun indeed Indeed. i too enjoyed myself (laughs) all righty bye bye good night nerds the action figure blues podcast can be found on itunes and stitcher radio and can be downloaded direct from actionfigurablues.com Wherever you listen, please take a moment to leave a positive rating and review to help others find our show. Our theme music is by Robert Crandall. Our ad music is by Scott Holmes. The AFB logo is created by Nath Stones. 
We also have an active fan forum at afbforum.com where you can join with all the hosts of the podcast and many other collectors to discuss news, reviews, old lines, and trade and sell in a safe community. Please join us there. While you're at actionfigureblues.com, please check out our sponsors like Mox Comics and Stuff, Loot Crate, Audible, and Gamefly. You can find us on Twitter at AFBlues, on Instagram at ActionFigureBlues, and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash ActionFigureBlues. Thanks for listening. You're listening to the Action Figure Blues podcast, episode number 318 for the week of Wednesday, the 4th of April, 2018. I'm Ben, and with me tonight are... Uh-oh, am I meant to be first? I'm sorry, I wasn't looking. Yeah. Oops! I'm sorry. Can you do that ah. again? <laughs> Look, I, I kind of had this goal that like by episode 500, yeah... Can we, can we bring in a professional? <laughs> we really should. Is, is it too late to recast? 